0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have this opportunity to come together in your house, open your word without fear of being arrested, being afflicted of any way, and we can worship you freely in spirit and in truth. Father, today as we observe this uh, message on Holy Spirit and the Pentecost that we will celebrate, we are thankful that you sent the Comforter who is just not in our midst, yet he is also in our life as we have been saved and he has entered into our soul. Prayerfully, we all here today are allowing him to direct our paths, our lives. Father, we pray today for Brother Bill and Sister Florence, especially in their time of sickness and how much their love is for each other, their love for you, their love for our church. We pray, God, you're ministering to them in a special way, encouragement to them. We pray, our Father, for this Wellman family that we will be presiding over this dear one who has left this world into the place that she so desired to go. And we're thankful for her testimony. Be with them in their time of grief. Now, our Father, if there'd be one here today that needs to make any kind of a decision for your name, that they might make that today. Lord, we pray that you would help our church to grow In spirit and in truth, in numbers, and that we might be able to reach this community with the gospel, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would uh, allow us to have wisdom to know how to reach those who are lost. We ask your blessing now upon this word and encouragement to each one here in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen. Who is God, the Holy Spirit? Who is God? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being God in spirit form exists in the eternal. He was in the beginning of the creation. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved Upon the face of the waters. His revelation to mankind is progressive. Remember that. It is progressive. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, He came upon whom He willed to achieve and the desired will of God in their lives. Let's just look at a few examples as we turn to Judges chapter 6. And verse number 34, Judges chapter 6 and verse number 34. And we see the story of Gideon, the judge of Israel. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And we'll turn to chapter 14 of the book of Judges. And we know there was a very strong person. In the scripture, chapter 14 and verse number 6, and his name was Samson, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion as he would have torn a kid, and he had nothing in his hand. And so we see the Spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament came upon those That God had a special mission or job for them to do. But he was not a permanent occupant of mankind in the Old Testament. He only worked with people that God so desired to accomplish his will. Looking at Brother David in chapter 51 and look at what he says about the Holy Spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not the Holy Spirit from me. And so David enjoyed the presence and the feeling of the Holy Spirit so much he said, God, don't don't take him from me. But we know that he did not become a permanent fixture until... After or on the day of Pentecost Now, uh, we're turning to the New Testament Jesus received the power of the Holy Spirit in his ministry at his baptism Uh, We're reading, if you will, in Matthew chapter number 3 Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 16 And Jesus, when he was baptized went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning up on him. Now the Holy Spirit was promised by the Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. He said to them, the Holy Spirit is coming and he will Dwell in you. And so the last night that Jesus lived in the upper room, chapter 14 of the book of John, actually chapter 14, 15, and 16 is the most information that you can find about the Holy Spirit in any uh, group of uh, verses in the scriptures. This is the major part of the teaching of the Holy Spirit by Jesus himself he had just spoken to the disciples and told them that he was going to be leading them that was a very difficult situation for the disciples to understand they did not want Jesus to depart from them they they enjoyed his fellowship. They did not want him to go. But he said, it's expedient for me to go away. Because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit can't come. And Jesus was trying to tell them, you know, I'm with you in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be with you everywhere you go. And he will be everywhere at the same time. Because he is the spirit of the living God. And so Jesus tried to comfort them. And He said the Holy Spirit is the comforter. In chapter 14 verse 16. I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter. That He may abide with you forever. Not just part time or whenever God needed to have something accomplished. But forever. And the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you'll know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be where? In you. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. So from the day of Pentecost until now, all those who have received Jesus as their personal Savior at that split second of saying, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. Instantly the Spirit of God enters into the soul, which is dead and sin like a deflated bloom. And he inflates himself in the soul, removes the sin, washes it in the blood, and he becomes a permanent residence in your temple, the body of Christ that he has given you to live in. And so we see from Pentecost until now, those that receive Jesus instantly are baptized in the Spirit. Instantly, You don't have to go back and pray again and again and again for the Spirit to come. He is there. What we need to do is yield ourselves more and more and more to Him so He can have more and more of us. Amen. We're kind of stingy with Him occasionally. We don't want to do what He wants us to do. Therefore, He can't achieve what God's will is in our life until we confess our sin and allow Him to move into a deeper and closer relationship with the Lord. And so we see that he, the Holy Spirit, empowers God's people for service for him. Let's look in Acts chapter number 10 and verse 44. Acts chapter number 10 verse 44. Now this is Peter preaching to the uh, first Gentile receivers of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Jews had already received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And now Peter is called to Con- Cornelius' house, the Roman uh, centurion. And the Roman centurion is seeking God. And, and so he calls for Peter to come. And, and, and Peter came and, and he spoke these words. And as he was speaking the word of God, the Holy Spirit fell on them who heard the word and they of of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as with Peter because of the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that it is not just, it is not just the Jewish people who have the Holy Spirit, but it is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and will receive at that second the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you say, well now, preacher, uh, how do we know this? Look in Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Acts, Romans. Chapter number 8, and the Apostle Paul says in verse number 9, (laughs) but you are in uh, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit now he's speaking to the christians at rome so he's saying you you have the spirit if so be that the spirit of god dwelleth in you now if any man have not the spirit of christ what you are none of his so if, if you are not a Christian, you have not the Spirit of God. But if you are a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. He's playing right here. He says that you're, the Spirit dwells in you. Look at verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead also dwells. Gives life to your mortal body by the spirit that dwells in you. When you pass, when you die, the spirit, along with the angels of the Lord, takes your soul into the presence of the Lord. And you are eternally with him. So I'm going to ask a few questions here this morning. And I don't like the terminology of the first question, but uh, I need to say it this way because the second one will help you understand the first one. I hope that makes sense. What is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? And the reason I ask that is I hear a lot of people call the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit is not it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is how we should address, not it. Romans, or excuse me, John chapter number 14, Jesus said, remember, this is uh, where he is introducing the disciples to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, and verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Notice the words that he uses him, him, he. That is a person, not an it, not a thing. Chapter 15 of the book of John, verse number 26. 15:26 But when the comforter is come whom I will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth who proceedeth from the father he shall testify of me chapter 16 verse 13 nevertheless when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Pretty explanatory there, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I ask this question, what is the Holy Spirit Because I wanted to explain to you through the scripture that he is a person. That's what he is. Now, who is he? Is the next question. Who is he? Let's turn to Acts chapter 5. Now, the church has uh, come together by the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and the church is prospering, uh, and uh, the church is growing. Uh, there in the book of Acts, that is the first Bible church of Jerusalem, well, that's what I'm going to call it anyway, and in Acts chapter 5, we have two people, Ananias and Sapphira, and they uh, they uh, want to uh, give a gift to the church to uh, help with the ministry of orphans and children and the growth of the church and so um, they purpose that they're going to give a certain amount well when it came to giving that certain amount they said well maybe we better not give all that much because we might want to go on a vacation or we might want to go to the mall or to the movies or well you get you get the picture Um, and so um, they came one at a time. One of them came first. And uh, they brought the gift. And uh, it was uh, Ananias first. And now Peter addresses him. He says, uh, Peter said, Ananias, why has the Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land that you said you were going to give totally to the Lord? Now notice what he said, lied to the Holy Spirit, verse 4. While, in re, while it remained, was it not thine own? In other words, before you promised to give the land to, to the church and, and for the ministry of the church, it was your own. But after you sold it, it was not thine own power. You said you were going to give it all to the, to the church. Why hast thou conceived in thine heart... Thou hast not lied unto men, but who? But unto who? God. Go back to verse 4. He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, he tells us exactly who the Holy Spirit is. You have lied to who? God. You lied to God, the Holy Spirit. So who is he? He is God. Now, he has all the characteristics of God. But the three characteristics I'd like for us to really examine... This morning, just quickly, are the, uh, the omnipotence, the omnipresence, and the omniscience of the Holy Spirit. And you say, okay, what's that mean? And, and so, let's see. Uh, the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the all-powerfulness of the Holy Spirit. The power of God. Matthew chapter 28 As we are familiar with the great commission that Jesus gave, Matthew chapter 28, to the disciples and to us, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke unto the disciples saying, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, And of the who? Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say in verse uh, 18? All what? Authority. All power. Who has all power? God the Father. God the Son. And he did not leave out. God the Holy Spirit. All powerful. All omnipotent. He is on the present. Wow. That just blows my mind. My, My brain cannot comprehend me being everywhere at the same time. Because I can't be. I'm contained by body. But the Spirit of God can be at the North Pole and at the South Pole and at the equator all at the same time. And everywhere else in between. So turn to what the psalmist says about this omnipresence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Psalms 139. Wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. Psalms 139 and verse number seven and the psalmist says where shall I go from thy spirit or where shall I free from thy presence what's he saying I can't escape peace everywhere you can be at home by yourself and guess who's there with you if you're saved the Holy Spirit's there and and thirdly, we want to look at the, the all-knowingness, the omniscience of the Holy Spirit. Uh, all-knowing. He, he's a know-it-all. Praise God. <laughs> and let's look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, verse 13. 40, 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or... Who is his counselor? Who hath taught him? Well, nobody, because he already knows it all. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So we've looked at what is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? What are are his uh, attributes here? Now let's look at how does the Holy Spirit work among men? How does the Holy Spirit work... Among men. Alright? And now this is where, and I told you at the beginning, you need to remember, you need to note that this work of the Holy Spirit is a progressive work. Progressive. In other words, Jim and Kenny did not walk into this church and it just went woof. And they've got the walls up and they're, you know, they didn't, it took progression. They had to tear the old out and they had to start putting in the new and pounding and nailing and achieving what has been achieved thus far and will, will be completed soon. And, and so the Holy Spirit is, this, is he's the same way. He's still working on me. Y'all remember that little kid's song? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And at my age, He's still working shingles come loose every now and then you know (laughs) things need patched. things need to be uh, uh, brought up to date and and so the Holy Spirit He he will never quit working on me I don't know about you all but I know He will never stop working on me but um, a lot of the things that happen in our lives as Christians through the power of the Holy Spirit they happen instantaneously yet it takes him a progressive way to get them worked out in our lives because we still are in the old, fleshly, Adamic nature and we're not always willing to yield to the Holy Spirit as we ought to. So let us first look at what he does. Our first contact with the Holy Spirit is called conviction. Conviction. That is, you come to a church service or you listen to a gospel song or you read a gospel track or you watch Billy Graham or Charles Stanley on TV or you are witnessed to by a good Christian and, and the Holy Spirit starts dealing with your heart and starts luring you in to salvation. It's sort of like a fisherman. You cast that bait out and you give that fish a little nibble of a worm and he comes back for more until he gets hooked. Amen. And so that's the way conviction is. Let us read John chapter 16. Your first introduction to the Holy Spirit was through conviction. Chapter 16, Jesus speaking again. The last night he lived to the disciples Verses 7 and 8. 16, 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, what will he do? He will reprove or convict the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment to come. So the first thing he does is he convicts. And now the next thing he does is a very familiar phrase. You become born again. The Spirit of God convicts you and shows you you are a sinner and you deserve hell. But God's mercy and grace is extended to you in such a way that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 3 verse 5, as Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, this is what happens. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I send you, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You were born of the water through your mother's birth canal. The water was broken around your mother around the sack of water in your mother's womb, and you came down the birth canal, you were born physically. And then when you heard the Word of God later on in life, you were born of the Spirit. You were born into the family of God. That's called regeneration. Now what happened when you were born into the family of God? Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Instantaneously... Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. What happened? In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and whom after you believed you were sealed. 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 But I'm glad. I mean. Boy I tell you these people that don't believe you're eternally saved these people that don't believe that that you have eternal life. And that God is not an Indian giver. Amen. Amen. It's an eternal gift. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Who is the earnest or the promise. Of the inheritance unto the redemption. Of the, the purchased possession. Unto the praise of His glory. So we are convicted. We are Born again, we are instantly sealed with the Holy Spirit. At the same second that all that's taken place, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, at that moment you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Verse 13 says, For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether we be a Jew or a Greek, whether we be bond or free, And have all been made to drink unto what? One Spirit. So the minute you said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me, you were born again. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You were baptized into, out of the family of darkness, into the body of Christ. That is the baptism of the Spirit. It's not water baptism. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Instantly. Don't have to wait a day or two. Don't have to wait till you go back to the altar. Don't have to, don't have to beg God for Him. He comes instantly. Because if He didn't come instantly, then you would be none of His. Amen. That's what Romans 8 9 said. We just read it. You wouldn't have the Holy Spirit if you at the moment of salvation did not receive Him. All right, let's continue. This is this progression. What else happened? John chapter 14, the minute you got saved, the Holy Spirit, chapter number 14. Now, remember, this is where Jesus teaches the disciples about the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. The Spirit, even the Spirit of truth, and the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he what Amen. dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, shall be in you, he was referring to the day of Pentecost when the Spirit would come in his fullness. Well, listen, every one of you in here who are saved have experienced your own Pentecost. You know when it happened? The moment you got saved. The moment you got saved. He indwelled you. He indwelled you at that moment. So He convicted you. You were born again or regenerated. He sealed you. He baptized you into His Spirit. He indwelled you. He came into your dead soul and made you alive. Amen. Amen. Alive in Christ. And when He did this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, He imparted to you spiritual gifts. Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, verse number 7. But the manifestation or the open showing of the Spirit is given to who? Every man. man. There's not a Christian sitting in this room today that does not have at least one gift of the Holy Spirit. Many of you have multiple gifts mine just happens to be right now teaching the word of god to you that is a gift, a teach the gift of, te- of of teaching most of you all of you i would say have the gift of helps in some way you help people something you do uh, to help someone or to uh, accomplish something the gift of helps i won't go into all those gifts that'll be another study but he He then imparts spiritual gifts. Today, He is going to do something for a family that I will be ministering to. In chapter 14 of the book of John again. At verse 16. When when you feel like you're down and out and there's no hope and everything's going against you. Or someone passes in your family, you need someone. I don't know how lost people do it. Verse 16. And I pray the Father and He will give you another who? Comforter. That He may abide with you how long? Again? Forever. 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 He is our comfort. He brings comfort. What else does He do? Chapter 14 verse 26. But the Comforter who is the Holy Spirit of God. Whom He will send in my name. Shall teach you all things and bring to your to your remembrance, therefore, I have said unto you. He, he teaches you. And when you are there and someone asks you a question, you can recall what you've learned or studied or read by the power of the Holy Spirit bringing it to your minds. You remember the scripture. Chapter 16, verse 13. Boy, did you all know that he did all these things? I'm so thankful for him. He guides you. Chapter 16, verse 13. Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth hath come, he will guide you to all truth. And uh, finally, he bestows upon us power. Acts 1.8. But after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power to be a witness. So what is the Holy Spirit's work among men? It's progressive. He convicts. He regenerates or He he births us. Borns us. (laughs) He births us. Into the family of God. He seals us. He baptizes us into the Lord's body. The family of Christ. The body of Jesus. He indwells us. He imparts spiritual gifts to us. He comforts us. He teaches us. He guides us. He empowers us. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now. Now. The fourth question is this. What can mankind do with the Holy Spirit? Ooh. Now. Y'all got your hard toes on today? Because I need mine on. How about saved people? What can we do with the Holy Spirit? Chapter four of Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Ephesians four. What can we do with the Holy Spirit? Oh boy. Chapter 4 verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. By whom you are, there's that word again, sealed until the day of redemption. Grieve not. The word to grieve means to make one sad. Anybody in here ever made somebody sad? How about your parents? Anybody ever make your, parent, your your mom or dad sad? Didn't make the honor roll? Didn't do what they said? You put, put off what they asked you to do? Did you make them sad? Did you grieve them? You probably got grieved there also. <laughs> Secondly, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. Quench not the spirit. We see these Gatorade commercials of all these athletes running and uh, jumping and practicing and throwing balls and so forth. And they run over and they get the Gatorade and they drink it and they turn the color of the Gatorade. (laughs) They sweat Gatorade. you ever see that commercial? Quench. They quench their thirst. Before they were able to get that Gatorade, they had a they had a quench. They, they they needed a drink. Quench not. In other words, don't cooperate with God's will for your life. We quench him. We say, now God, I just don't have time to read my Bible that much. God, I don't have time to go next door and witness to that person. God, I don't I can't give that much money to the church. God, I, I I can't pray that long. God, I can't, I can't go help that old lady that, that's, that's hungry and she needs something to eat and her food stamps are running out. I can't do that. Lord, we quench the Spirit of God. We can grieve the Spirit of God. Who can't? Christians. He's not talking to lost people. Lost people can't grieve the Spirit of God. They're not His. They're the devil's. It's Christians he's talking to in Ephesians. The church at Ephesus. In Thessalonians, he was talking to the church at Thessalonica. To the Christians. Don't grieve. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. But what should we do as Christians? What should the saved do with the Holy Spirit? Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5. And verse number 13. What should the Christian, the believer, do with the Holy Spirit? Chapter 5, verse 13. Or chapter 6, verse 13. My, my fault. 6, 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, But yield yourself unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto Him. What should we do? Yield. Yield to God. Do what God says for you to do. We need Bible school teachers. We need electronic people. We need... Lots of help in this church. Are you going to yield and give in to what God is asking you to do? Let me tell you what happens if you don't yield. You run that yield sign and you'll find out. Collision and colliding with God is not a good wreck to have. Amen. I've had a few of those. What should a Christian do? Chapter 6 of the book of Romans, verse 17. Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to, obey his servant, ye are whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Yield yourself and obey God, the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5. What can a Christian do with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 5. And verse number 18. 518. And be not drunk with wine, which is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I can go over to the gas station and put the correct amount of money in the cash register or my credit card in the pump. And I can <laughs> fill my tank. How can you fill your tank? Well, right here is one way. Read the Bible. Pray. Attend the fellowship. Obey the Holy Spirit when He tells you to do something. Yield. Be filled. And... Don't quench, obey the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at what can mankind do with the Holy Spirit if you're a lost person. Matthew chapter 12. This is a very dangerous, very dangerous thing to do. Well, there's no greater danger. Matthew chapter 12 verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blaspheming shall be forgiven men, but the blasphemy of, against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven men. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. God, leave me alone. I don't want to hear anything about that Jesus. I don't want to see a Bible. I don't want to go to church. Leave me alone. That is a very dangerous statement to make. You're telling God I'm not interested in what you did for me on the cross of Calvary. I'm not interested in where I spend eternity. I don't believe in hell. One second after you die, you will. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit, telling God you're not going to get saved, I'm not interested, leave me alone, that is for children and old folks, it's dangerous. Chapter number 7 of the book of Acts, another thing a lost person can do to the Holy Spirit Verse 51. Stephen is preaching and he says, "You're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. Resisting the Holy Spirit's woo. Resisting the Holy Spirit's drawl. Resisting the Holy Spirit's love that He is giving you through the Gospel. Come and be saved. Don't put this off. Don't procrastinate. Come unto me all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And we say, no, not today. We procrastinate. Maybe next week. Well, I'll keep coming. And then... The heart attack. Or then... Crack! The car wreck. And then the big C word cancer. It's not good to resist the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. As we bow our heads, I don't know today (laughs) your heart. I cannot look into your soul. I cannot see if Jesus is there or not. You and God know that. If you have been resisting or telling God, not today, it's time. It's time. What if God were to call today? What if the Holy Spirit brought Jesus back at the rapture today? Where would you be? What would your eternal position be Christian friend have you been quenching the spirit of God have you been telling the Holy Ghost no thanks don't have time for that need to recommit your life to God you were bought with the price. Spirit of the living God. All fresh on me. That should be our prayer as a Christian. Father, we're asking you today to work in the hearts and the lives of Christians. And if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, has never said to him, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. Might this be the day that they make that known. We pray in Jesus' name.